Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. I want to read to you the theme verse for our church for this year. Every year we have a verse and we have a theme and we have something that we kind of think about throughout the year. We don't always talk about it every single day. I always talk about it every single, you know, service, but, you know, you'll see it up there on the screen, you know, Romans chapter eight, verse number 28, all things work together. The verse there says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. There's a lot here in this verse. There's a lot of components in the verse. We don't really get a lot of time to really talk about all of these things, but you know, just, you know, pulling out a few things, you know, there's great confidence in the Apostle Paul in writing this verse. He doesn't say, and I think, or I hope, you know what he says, and we know. There's a great confidence that Paul had in what God was going to do, in God's promises and in God's word. He said, we know that all things work together for good. The good and the bad the, the ups and the downs, all of those things can work together for our good. They work together for your good. They can work together for your, uh, for your good if you are one of them. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So all things can work together for good. Sometimes you look at this world, you look at circumstances, you might look at some things that happen to you and wonder, how could this be good for me? Well, God promises that that can be good if you love God and you are called according to his purpose. Now, when you think about all the different circumstances that you might have in your life, you might look at some other people and things like that, and you might wonder, well, how is it possible that all things, and when God says all things, he means all things. How could all things work together for my good? Even the things that I hate, the things that I don't like, how could it be for good? Well, in verse number 29, he answers the question, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. We know that all things can work together for your good if it makes you more like Jesus Christ. That's how that works together. You might go through some tough times in life, but it can work together for your good if it makes you more like Jesus, if it makes you more patient like the Lord Jesus, if it makes you more loving like the Lord Jesus, if it makes you more forgiving like the Lord Jesus, if it makes you think more about eternal things instead of temporary things. All of those things are good things, amen? Right, being loving, being forgiving, being patient, you know, thinking about eternal things, those are the things of Christ. But sometimes he can use difficult times to remind us, you know what? This world is not all that there is. There's a world to come. You know, sometimes God can use something in our lives and it'll remind us, you know what? Jesus went through far worse and he was forgiving. You know what? If he could forgive them, then I could forgive them as well. So we know that all things can work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And so we spent a lot of time at the beginning of the year thinking about the Lord Jesus how he was, some of the things that he did. We spent some time there, and we're coming back around to this verse, but I wanted to focus in on a word, or really a phrase here, 
that is part of the theme. And the word or the phrase really is the phrase work together. All things work together. And so we're going to spend a couple of weeks uh, here through uh, November into December looking at this word or this phrase work together. And the reason is the word here for work together in, as you know, the New Testament was written in Greek. That word, work together, is one word, and it's the word from which we get our English word synergy. All right? So synergy is the idea that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, right? You have two things together independently, but when they come together, they can accomplish something that you wouldn't expect, something greater than you might anticipate. You might look at two individual ingredients and think that there's nothing special there. They're fine, but nothing special, but you put them together and suddenly something happens. Do you guys remember the whole Diet Coke Mentos thing? Remember you have a bottle of Diet Coke and you have the little Mentos, like the mints or whatever, and you just have them sitting there on the table. It's fine, nothing, nothing going on. And for whatever reason, I have no idea why it does this, but you take Mentos mints and you drop a couple of them into a Diet Coke bottle and what happens? You get an explosion, right? Something that you wouldn't expect or anticipate, but just by putting those two things together, suddenly comes up with something that we might consider to be greater than the sum of its parts. God uses the illustration of a body as the church. The church is the body of Christ. And when you take all of the individual members of your body, you might not expect to be able to do too much, right? Just take a look at your hand, right? Imagine if instead of five fingers, you just had one, right? Now you only got one finger. What could you do with that one finger, right? You could push elevator buttons, right? You could do that. And you really couldn't, you know, you really can't do too much. And each individual finger by itself, you might not expect too much, but suddenly you've got five of them all together and now you can do a lot of things, right? So that's the idea of synergy. Synergy is one plus two is greater, or one plus one is greater than two. And in the ministry, we need synergy. Synergy is necessary in ministry that we come together, and in coming together, there is something greater than you might expect from just the individual members here. And this morning, we're going to take a look at a few verses, beginning first in Mark chapter number 16, where it says that the disciples had synergy. They worked together with God. Mark 16, verse number 20, you're still there. The verse there again says, and they went forth, right? The context here is the they is the disciples. The disciples went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. The Lord, if you want to use this phrase, had synergy with the disciples and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. So the question here this morning that we all should be wondering and thinking is, am I working together with God? I know that many of you are working and laboring in ministry, but in ministry, we must work together with God. So I want to see a few key ingredients with working together with the Lord. The first of which is the place of synergy with God. 
there is a particular place. If we are going to accomplish anything in ministry, we need God to work. Amen? It can't be just me. It can't be just you. It can't be just us. If we're going to accomplish spiritual work, we need the Spirit. We need God. We need God to do some things in salvation. We need God to save lost souls because I can't save anyone and you can't save anyone. And all of us together as a church, we still can't save anyone. Only God can do the saving in terms of uh, being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's not something that I can do. I can't do that for you. You can't do that for me. That has to be the Lord in calling to ministry, in unity together with other believers. We must have the Lord if we're going to accomplish something in ministry. And so we must work together with God. It's a wonderful thing because every one of us can work together with God. Right? This is not just for your pastor, not just for your parents, not just for the Sunday school teachers. Working together with God is available for everyone because God is everywhere. God dwells in every believer. It is available for every single one. And if you're going to work together with God, though, you have to go to where God is working. All right? If we're going to work together with God, we can't say, God, I'm over here. You come over here. We can't do that with God. Where God works is where we should work if we want to work together with God. Amen? Right? So that's the idea. And I know in the workplace today, right, especially in the last couple of years, we have this whole remote work, right? Work from home. And some of you might be working from home, and some of you may be hoping to be able to work from home forever, you know? And that might be a great place and opportunity for you, you know? You, get to, you have your little office, you have a little place at home, saves you from the commute of driving through LA traffic, you know, all of that. But when we take a look at the illustrations that God used to say, here, let me, let me try to help you. Let's try to, God's trying to help all of us to understand, all right, what is it like to work with God? What are some of the pictures and illustrations that God used to help us to understand, well, this is how God thinks about ministry. This is how God thinks about service. And these are some things that you and I might be able to see with our eyes here on earth to be able to understand, ah, this is a little bit of what, like, ministry from the perspective of God is. And God used a number of different illustrations to try to help us to understand that. The first of which is fishing. Remember when Jesus was calling his disciples, and he called John and James, he called Peter and Andrew. And in Matthew chapter number 13, he says, and he spake many things unto them in par uh, That's not the verse. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And he saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So the idea that Jesus is trying to give to these disciples is just like you're going out and fishing, that's a little bit like ministry. And I want you to think about that. I can help you in ministry to serve the Lord. Now, I'm not a fisherman, okay? Some of you are fishermen. You know about fishing. You maybe go on the dock. Maybe you go out deep sea fishing in the ocean and things like that. I'm not really a fisherman, but one thing I know, you can't go fishing through a computer screen, right? You can't zoom in to the boat and catch fish that way, right? You've got to get out there, be on the dock, get on the boat, take up a fishing pole, 
cast it out into the sea, and that's how you're going to fish, right? If God is out there fishing, and you want to be there with him, guess what? You can't just FaceTime him. You got to get over there. If you want to labor together with the Lord. He uses another illustration. He uses the illustration of farming. This is the other verse I was reading. And he spoke many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. So he uses this illustration of farming, of a farmer getting up in the morning, grabbing the seed, getting out into the field, and just casting the seed out into the field and trying to grow a harvest. And so that's the illustration that God was using here. And again, I'm no, I'm no farmer, right? I, we don't have, you know, a little garden even or any of that kind of stuff. But one thing I know, if you want to be a farmer, you got to be out on the farm, right? You got to get out there and you got to, you know, now today we got tractors and all of that kind of stuff, but you got you to gotta get out there. Another illustration that Jesus uses is the illustration of construction. In Ephesians chapter number two, he says, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So God is trying to use this illustration of a building. He's trying to use this illustration of the church being similar to a building that is being constructed. Now, again, you know, I've not been out in construction, but I've been involved in some building programs and projects at, you know, the churches that I've worked at. And so I've seen these guys come out and uh, lay that foundation. I've seen them dig something out and, and uh, lay the foundation, build up the framing and put on the roof and all of that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I know that if you want to be in construction, you go to the sites where they're going to build and that's where you go. The last illustration that I see is that Jesus used the illustration of a body. Colossians chapter 1, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. All right? So the church is like a body. And you have a body, and aren't you glad that your body parts don't work remotely, right? That your hand is just like, you know what, I'm out of here, I'm going to be over there, all right? I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to go over here, right? Your body stays together, right? You stay together, you stick together, and you work together. And if we're going to work together with God, then we got to find out where God is and go there. We got to find the place where God is working and follow God there. That's why that close relationship that you have with the Lord is so important. That's why that personal relationship spending time in the word, in prayer, following God, seeking God's will, not just making decisions and saying, God, I'm going to take this job and I want you to bless this job over here because I'm going to take this job. And, and God, I'm going to go over here and I want you to bless the thing that I'm doing. If we want to work together with God, we've got to pray to God and say, God, where are you going? Where are you working? And where are you leading? And I, I want to follow you and I, I want to go where you are. Because in verse number 16, in verse number, uh, Mark chapter 16, the verse that we read, it says that they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. Now, isn't that wonderful that as they preached, God worked? I mean, that's what we want, right? Here in our service. I want to preach, but I want God to work. I don't want to be the only one up here preaching. I want God to do the working. And when you witness to a lost soul, you don't want it to just be you talking to them. You want God to be speaking to their heart. 
You want God to be working, and that's a wonderful thing. But for us to understand how this verse could happen, we've got to back up a couple of verses. So you're there in Mark 16, verse number 15. Jesus is speaking to his disciples before they go out, and he says, uh, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So God goes to his disciples and tells them, I want you to go over there and do that. And in verse number 17, it says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. So I want you to go over there. Those that believe, I am going to give signs to them. And in verse number 20, as they go forth and preach the word as they were commanded, God worked with them. So the, the pattern here is God, Jesus, is talking to his disciples, and he says to his disciples, all right, disciples, I'm going to tell you where I'm going to work. I'm going to work when you preach the gospel, and when people believe, I am going to work in that way. And that's the pattern that we should follow. We should go to the word and find out, God, where are you working? And I want to work with you. So I'm going to find where you are working, and I'm going to work there with you. There are particular places where God can work. And outside of those places, God does not work. There are places where God says, I'm not going to work there. I'm not going to do anything there. That's not where I'm working. I'm working over here. And if we want to work together with God, then we can go over there. You know, that's why some of the big principles of the Bible matter. Things like holiness. In Isaiah chapter 59, verse number two, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. It's not that God can't hear. God's saying, I won't hear because I can't work in wickedness. I can't work in sin. I need holiness. That's why holiness matters. That's why our personal life matters. And we say, God, I want you to work so much. And, and God says, well, I want you to live in holiness. That's where I'm going to work. I'm going to work in holiness. I'm going to work in the things of God. God works in faith, Hebrews chapter 11. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So if we desire for God to work with us, really the idea is that we would work together with God, then we must do it in faith. It can't be in our flesh. It can't be by sight. It can't just be like, well, this is what makes sense to me. Sometimes we just have to say, God, I hear what you're saying. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm just going to trust you on this one. That's what faith is. Faith is God. You said that. And I don't see how that could work or it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to trust you on that taking a look at the Bible and saying, God, okay, you said that I need to do this financially. I need to give, maybe give the tithe, or maybe during the missions conference, you're praying and, and God says, I want you to support missionaries. And you're like, okay, but you know my financial situation. And that doesn't totally make sense. And God says, trust me on this one. That's faith. Sometimes it's just, you know, uh, at your workplace, you're thinking, you know what, if I really speak up for Christ, if I really tell people I'm a Christian, and I witness to them, I might lose my job. I might get passed over for a promotion. And I really have some financial goals. And God might say, you know what? Why don't you just be the life that I've called for you to be? And you just trust me on this one. 
You know, that, that's where faith really becomes real and practical. God works for his glory. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You know, God doesn't want to give his glory to somebody else. Right? We sh in the ministry and the things that we do, it, sh it should not be that, you know what, the pastor looks really good. You know who should look really good, who should be glorified, is the Lord. We should look at the church and say, wow, glory in God. We should see somebody who's saved and say, glory, glory to God. And so that's the idea. So this place of synergy is important. It's not just, all right, I'm going to be here and I'm going to pray that God's blessing me. And then after a while think, well, God's not blessing me. How come God's not blessing me? God's word must be true. It's, it works the other way. We've got to see that the word is true. And then God says, here are the places where I'm going to work. You want to work with me? Come over here. We can work together. So there's a place of synergy with the Lord. The second key principle is the purpose of synergy with God. So you have your Bibles. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. So uh, turn over with me, uh, past the Gospels, past Acts and Romans, and you'll get to the books of First and Second Corinthians. So we're in 2 Corinthians now, chapter number 6. And so we're going to take a look at a few verses here. So while you're turning there, I'm going to read the verse. We'll go back over it again in a few moments. But in verse number one there, it says, We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. So Paul here is saying, we, we are together working with him. That's God. So we are working with God. And being in synergy with God, we beg you that you would do what we have done. And he begins to elaborate on why he's working together with God. So back up again a couple of verses, chapter number 5 and verse number 14. In verse number 14, he says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So Paul begins to elaborate on why he desires to work with God. He says that he wants to work with God because that is his plan. That's God's plan. It is God's plan for those that have trusted Christ as their Savior. Jesus died on the cross for us. And if we trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, we can be saved. We can be born again. We can have our sins to be forgiven. And God desires that us who have freely received salvation to live not for ourselves, but for the one who saved us. That is God's plan. And Paul is saying, I want to live for God because God saved me, because God died for me. I'm the one that broke the law. I'm the one that left God. But God is the one who came to seek and to save me. God is the one who sacrificed his life so that I might be saved. Being saved then, should I really live for myself or should I live for the one who died for me? And he goes back and he covers a, a, a few things in verse number 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Before you got saved, 
Yeah, you might live for yourself. That makes sense. You are yourself and you live for yourself. But when you receive new life from God, we ought to live for God because we are a new creature. Verse number 19, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So we were the ones that left God. God sent his son to die on the cross so that we might be reconciled with God. We can now have a relationship with the Lord. Being in that relationship, God has given to us a ministry. That ministry is the ministry of the word of reconciliation. So God has reconciled us to himself so that we might go out and help others to be reconciled with God. That's soul winning, all right? Somebody gave you the gospel and that's why you got saved, amen? amen. When you got saved, when you trusted Christ as your savior, somebody was involved in that process, right? Could have been something as simple as somebody knocked on your door, gave you a gospel invitation, showed you some of the verses, and you got saved. Maybe it was a preacher preaching up here. Maybe it was a friend. It might've been a parent, a mom or a dad. It could have been something as simple as somebody had printed out some, you know, Bibles and things like that and passed them out and you, you happened to pick up one of these and you don't even know who it was, but you, you read the Bible and you trusted Christ as your Savior. Somehow, somebody was involved in your receiving the gospel. Having received the gospel then, and for those of you that are saved, you trusted Christ as your Savior, now that you are saved, God has given to you a purpose. The purpose of reconciliation, helping others to be reconciled with him. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and then not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so verse that I use when I talk to people who are lost, they need to be saved. You know, it's not by works. It's not by getting baptized, not by giving money to the church offering, not by coming to church services that you are saved. You are saved by the grace of God. It's a free gift. There's nothing you could do to earn it. And God desires to give it to everybody. He wants everybody to be saved. That's Ephesians chapter two, verse number eight and nine, probably a verse that maybe every single one of you is familiar with. It's the next verse that I want to take a look at. Verse number 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So God says, I want to give you this free gift. You're not going to work for it. I'm going to make you my own child, and I am going to make you so that you might have good works, so that you might serve to have a profitable ministry. And it is before ordained that we should walk in them. That was God's plan from the very beginning. So Paul begins to elaborate, and he says, I work for God because that was his plan. I also work for God because I have been positioned where I am. Remember that Paul did not choose for himself to be an apostle. God chose him. God called him. God moved in the Holy Spirit to send him and Barnabas out to be missionaries. Remember, as they're going around and trying to find places, the Holy Spirit does not allow them to go to this place or that place. They have the Macedonian dream and they said, all right, that's where God wants me to be. God is placing me there. And that is true also of every single believer. So in verse number 18, he says, and we read this verse earlier, have given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So God has given to us 
a ministry. The word ministry means service. God has given to us a place of service. That's our place. Verse number 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did, did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ that be reconciled to God. So God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation and given to us the position of ambassador. So an ambassador is somebody who represents like somebody else, right? Typically, we think about ambassadors being representatives of countries, right? You have the U.S. ambassador to Germany. You have the U.S. ambassador to another country. And other countries, they have their ambassadors in our country. They are representatives of their country to us. And that is their place. And God has given to us this position of ambassador, and we represent God to other people. That is our position and our place. And it's important for us having a position to be in that position. All right. Uh, so I, uh, my two girls, they are in soccer. We enrolled them in soccer. And uh, so uh, I've been wanting to get them in, in soccer or something. And uh, so now that they're finally in soccer, I was thinking, man, this is going to be so great. This is exciting. Now, they're very little, right? Okay, They're very, very little. They don't understand really the rules of soccer, you know? Uh, they still sometimes pick up the, the ball with their hands and, you know, the ball comes up in the air and they hit it with their hands, you know, different things like that. The, you know, there's a person in goalie who can use their hands and sometimes they don't use their hands because they've been conditioned not to use their hands. And so instead of picking up the ball, they try to kick the ball and they miss the ball. We're like, no, you're the goalie. You can pick up the ball, you know? And so, you know, so I, I knew, okay, they're young. You know, they, they just got to learn. They just got to figure it out and it'll be fun. And uh, if you know anything about soccer, you'll know that people have positions, right? The goalie is the one who can use their hands. They stand basically in front of the goal, right? That's their position. Their position is goalie. Their place is in the goal, right? So that's their place. Then you have some other positions. You have positions like defender, right? Their goal is to stop the other team from scoring goals, right? So you're, you shouldn't just be running all the way up there. You should always stay, you know, for the most part, behind the ball, right? So you, you stand a little bit farther back. Then there are people who are strikers. Their job is to score goals, right? So they stand kind of farther up, and everybody's got their position. So usually if you watch like a professional game, right? So there's a World Cup going on right now, so you might have seen a few things here and there. You'll notice that they kind of move generally in their position. Those at the front usually stay at the front. Those at the back usually stay at the back. They have their positions, okay? But these are grown-ups. They're professionals, right? My girls are not grown-ups. They're little girls, okay? And everybody out there, they're just, they're just little kids. So you know what they do? They don't stay in their position. You know where they, where they go? They, they follow the ball. So you have like six people on each team, seven people, I think, maybe. I know what they do. They just follow the ball. There's a big mass of girls. They just follow the ball. Everywhere it goes, they just follow it, okay? And, uh, you know, that's cute. And I knew that that was going to happen, you know? And the coach would be like, no, 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 you're supposed to stand over there and, you know, things like that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's always uh, uh, kind of funny whenever, you know, you have the goalie. You know, the goalie is supposed to stand in front of the goal and they kind of know that they have a special thing that they wear. They have gloves, you know, so they kind of know. But, you know, if their team is really good, the ball stays at the other side, right? 
So if you're a little kid, you get bored, right? So, you know, they're just sitting on the ground, picking grass, you know, and they're in the net playing with the net, you know, nobody's watching, right? Because everybody's just watching the ball. They want to score goals or the other, you know, and then suddenly the ball gets kicked out over to the other side and it's going over to the other goal and everybody notices, oh no, the goalie's on position. Hey, pay attention. You don't pick up the ball. They, they look up, they're like, whoa, where am I supposed to be? You know, and, you know, it's easy for us to know you know what, I have a position, but get kind of distracted and kind of get off to the side. But if you're the goalie, you have a place and it is expected to be in that place, that we would be there, ready. Now, we understand newborn Christians, Christians that just got saved, they're little kids, right? They're newborns. So it's a little bit difficult for them. But as you grow and mature, then you begin to see the bigger picture and you realize, you know what, the ball's not coming over here. That's a good thing. <laughs> you know, I don't want the action over here. I want the action over there. That's where we're going to score goals. And that's great. And I'm just going to stand here and be ready. Whenever it comes, I'll be ready. And that's the idea. I have a place and I'll be ready when it's my time to be ready. And if God has given to you a place, be there in that place. God has called for us to be a light. Be a light in that place, in your home. Be a light. Share the word of God. Talk about the word of God. Emphasize the Lord. When you're in your workplace, you can be a light and, you know, kind of talk with your coworkers and, and talk with people and share the gospel. And, you know, when they're going through a tough time, let them know that you'll pray for them and, you know, tell them some of the principles from God's word that, that God is in control. And then maybe that'll be an opportunity for you to share the gospel with somebody. Because I know that it's easy for Christians to just think that, well, those people have their positions. You know, pastor, well, he's got a position. And I, he knows where his place is. And maybe there's a Sunday school teacher. They have a place and they, they've got their position. And, 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 and somebody else, a nursery worker, somebody in the music ministry, they have a place and they have their position. But I don't have a position here. But that's not true. If you're on the team, you have a position. You're out there on the field. Be in your place. Be in your position. And Paul is saying, I want to be in the right position. The last reason or purpose that Paul gives is that he wanted to work together with God to please him. In verse number nine, he says, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we might be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Paul is saying here, he saved me. He chose me. I just want to please the Lord. God has done so much for me. I just want to do something for him. Wherever he goes, I want to go with him. Wherever he labors, I want to labor there. Wherever he puts me, I want to be there, and I want to serve, and I want to be faithful. And in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, we then as laborers together with him. He's saying, we've been in the ministry together with God. We've been working together with God. Having done that and doing it, we beseech you, I beg you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain, that you would also work together with God. So that's the, the purpose of synergy with God. So we have the place of synergy with God, which is wherever God is. 
We don't tell God to work where we're working. We find out where God is working, and we go over there. So we pray to God and God, ask God, God, where do you want me to be? Where, where are you going? Where are you leading? And the purpose of synergy, because that's what God wants me to do. I want to please the Lord. Thirdly and lastly, we see the product of synergy with God. So you're in 2 Corinthians. Turn back one book to 1 Corinthians. So you're going to turn back one book. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 is where we are going to be. And ultimately, working together has an end goal, an end result, right? You know, a lot of people, most people here probably are working. You work at a job. You, you, you work somewhere. And, uh, you know, part of the reason why you work is so that you could have income, right? You got to live, you got to survive, you got to pay rent, you got to pay food, all of that kind of stuff. You do that. But the company has an end goal, right? They're going to build a car and sell it. They're going to make an app and sell it. They're going to do something, right? And so God is working and he desires for us to work with him. But what is he working on? What is the end result? In 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, God uses an illustration here. He uses the illustration that we've seen before of farming. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 8 says, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man that shall receive his own reward, I'm sorry, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. So we are out in the field farming, if you will, together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, and ye are God's building. So the point of a farmer is that you might have fruit, a harvest, right? Why does the farmer get up at daybreak, get out into the field, and work the field, plow the field, sow the field, do all of these things? They do it so that they might have a harvest. And that's the idea of the ministry of God. God desires for us to work together with him so that we might see a harvest. What is the harvest that Paul is talking about, though? He says here, we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, and ye are God's building. You know what the harvest that Paul worked so hard for was that God was working together with Paul, it was the church at Corinth. The harvest of God is the church. The church is a visible, local assembly of saved and baptized believers called to fulfill the commands of God, especially the Great Commission. That's what the church basically is. There's lots of things in the church that we do and all sorts of different things. But if you could try to summarize it as simply as possible, I think this is a good one. The church is a visible local assembly, right? We're not talking about all the believers in all of the world. We're talking about here at Bible Baptist Church. We assemble together and the church is saved, baptized believers, all right? You must be saved. You must be baptized, thus entering into the membership of the church. And our purpose is to fulfill the commands of God, especially the Great Commission. And so you see the process here of if you're going to have a church, you've got to have people to be saved and baptized. 
Amen? So that's how, that's without that, there is no church. And so that's the very beginning. So God desires that people would be saved. That's what he's saying there in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I have sown, Apollos watered, somebody else was doing these things, but it was God that gave the increase. So he's spreading the gospel. People are trusting in Christ. Apollos comes in later and begins to feed them the word of God. They begin to grow as believers. And now there is a church that is there. And it all begins with salvation. Luke chapter 19 gives us the purpose of, of Christ. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse number 9 says that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So it begins with salvation. But then it continues in partnering together. We, in verse number 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse number 9. Notice that he doesn't say, I am laboring together with God. He says, we are laboring together with God. Not just me and myself, me and others with me. So if you know the New Testament, you know that Paul didn't travel by himself. He started with Barnabas, later it was Silas, and then others, Timothy, Titus, some other people traveled with him. He labored together. And the plan for us is to labor together as a local church, for us to be together, to serve together, and for us to build up the ministry here together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 18 says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. See, it's not a coincidence, if you're a member of Bible Baptist Church, it's not a coincidence that you're a member here. God put you here. God said, this church needs somebody. And I'm going to bring somebody to be a part of the membership here. We need another person, and God is pulling in people. God saves them. He joins them into the membership of the church so that we might obey the commands of God. If you want to know why do we come together as a church every single week, first of all, the big purpose is that we might glorify God. Another major big purpose is so that we might remember all right, our goal is to serve God, to find out where God is working and work there. And through the preaching of the word, we are reminded what we should be doing, where we should be doing it, how we ought to be doing it. And these believers were called to obey the word of God, preach the word of God, follow the word of God. And so then there will be a process that continues. So farmer sows the seed, right? Somebody waters the seed, it grows, and there is a harvest. They bring in the harvest, they enjoy the harvest, but then what do they do? They save some of that so that next year they might repeat the process. They might repeat the process. They plant the seed, they sow the seed, they water the seed, they have a harvest, they enjoy the harvest, then they save some of the seed. The next year, they do it again. And that's the process of the local church. The process of the local church is we share the gospel, people trust Christ as their savior, they are born again into the family of God, we are called to baptize them into the membership. As a body of believers together, then, we desire to find out what does God say and what we should do based on what God says. And so then we hear the word of God, we obey the word of God, and then what do we do? Those people then share the word of God with somebody else. They get saved, they get baptized, they find out what the Bible says, and then they share the Bible with somebody else. And that's the process. That is a harvest that God desires from our church. Somebody led you to the Lord, 
And God desires that you might be instrumental in leading somebody else to the Lord, that you would be instrumental in helping somebody else to grow in the Lord so that they might witness to somebody else. So once again, we're coming back to this idea of synergy, of working together with God. And so to ask a rhetorical question, do you want to work together with God? I'm sure every single one of us would say, of course, of course I want to work together with God. Well, in John chapter four, verse number 35, it says, say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. You know, the idea that Jesus is trying to give, Jesus is trying to give, I'm out in the field working. I'm out in the field. You want to work with me? Come out, come out over here, come out into the field so that we might work together to get today because God is still working. God is still saving people. God is still planting churches. God is still growing up ministries. So let us go where God is working, working together with him so that we might see the harvest that God desires.